Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Alex. And we are here within two weeks of the 2023 NFL Draft. And also, why are we here? Well, we're here to talk about the final of our uh, positional rankings heading into the draft, and it's interior defensive line covering all the 2023 New York Giants draft needs. We've done interior offensive line, wide receiver, cornerback, and linebacker. And the final one, not like there's other, not other team needs, but the main five team needs are those positions. And we're here covering the fifth and final one right now. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, You know, I just kind of realized, uh, you know, how close we are to the draft. I was away for a couple or for a week or so. I just got back, obviously. And then um, you know, April's already halfway done and drafts obviously end of April. And it's like, oh my God, how close are we? You know, I'm trying to finish up now, uh, kind of the draft board in general. So we have stuff ready for hopefully when the Giants end up drafting, uh, 10 or so players in this year's draft. And we have some information on them and, you know, just to enjoy the draft, uh, with a bit more knowledge beforehand. And, um, you know, we're here with another positional preview. I think we've done a good amount of these, pretty much all of the positions in need. Um, you know, mostly I'd say the only other one I think, uh, that we haven't touched on that, uh, I haven't really looked on, uh, looked at as much either, which I will do for the draft is the edge rusher position because behind, uh, you know, Thibodeau and Ojolari, there's not a lot there currently Jihad Ward as well. He's back now, but, uh, I think that's another position that could certainly be interesting safety as well, maybe, but I think we've got the main positions here and, uh, the interior defensive line, certainly a really fun area of this year's draft. A lot of intrigue and controversy obviously I'm talking about one specific person but uh you know that can go for a couple other guys in this class too which we'll talk about but uh yeah I'm excited to get into that but uh first we got some stuff with players that are already on the Giants roster and some very important players at that yeah so let's uh cover these two guys real quick the New York Giants star running back Saquon Barkley as well as their star defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence both uh will um, not participate in the upcoming offseason program, which begins on Monday. Well, two separate contracts, but the same deal when it comes to money. They want money. Um, Saquon Barkley doesn't plan to sign his franchise tender before the team's upcoming offseason program. That's because he wants a new contract. Dexter Lawrence will not be reporting for the start of the Austin program because he wants a new contract. So it's it's basically the same situation. Just one's a franchise tag and one's just hoping for a new contract, but they both want a new contract. So what will the Giants do? Well, uh, already it's been reported that Dexter Lawrence and the New York Giants have actually uh, been talking for a couple weeks about a new deal. Um, so it actually seems like he's further law, you know, at least to us as uh, Giants fans and scrollers on Twitter um, are to know of. It seems like Dexter Lawrence is closer to a new contract than Saquon Barkley might be. So... With that being said, will Barkley eventually sign the franchise tag if the Giants say we're not going to offer you a contract? It's going to be it's going to be up to him at the end of the day. It's not too troubling or worrying because it's an off-season program and these are two veterans. If this is a rookie or a second-year player, it's a different story. Uh, these guys know what they're doing. They don't really need to be on off-season programs to be completely honest with you. But it is a little concerning. Uh, that they both want contracts and they want them as soon as possible. It's good and it's also bad because we want to save cap room to sign these draft picks and undrafted free agents. And if we don't have a lot of that left, 
you know, some guys aren't going to, we're either not going to be able to draft players. We're going to have to trade away our picks um, or we're going to have to figure out not signing undrafted free agents or as many undrafted free agents as you might want to. Um, so anyway, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is obviously the offseason program actually begins this Monday or today when you're listening to this. So uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. But I would say with Saquon Barkley, I'll touch on him first. The Giants have all the leverage in this situation. They have the franchise tag, which they've already placed on him. The running back market is very, very weak. Um, $10 million is probably almost too high <laughs> of a salary, to be honest, for Saquon Barkley considering the market. Um, he's probably worth about eight to nine million a year at this point, uh, compared to like the twelve million or so we thought he was worth uh, before free agency began. But that's really changed when you see players like you know Miles Sanders. Um, you know, I believe he got what six million a year. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a much better running back than Miles Sanders. But uh, you know, you look at the le- the contrast that these running backs are getting, and you know, honestly, if I were Saquon Barkley, I get you want the long term. Um, you know, commitment, the guaranteed money. I get that's really important, but uh, you know, ten million a year is not bad. And I'm not sure there's any team in the NFL who's willing to pay him more than that franchise tag at the moment. So it's gonna be interesting to see what Joe Shane uh, and company do regarding Saquon, and we'll have to wait and see. And then with say uh, with Dexter Lawrence, excuse me, I think that deal is gonna be done pretty soon. We just saw uh, Jeffrey Simmons get his contract, which is what uh, was about twenty three million a year. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to get just about that, maybe a bit more, 24, maybe 25 at the most. I'd say somewhere between that 22 and 25 million per year mark for Dexter Lawrence. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but considering the quality of his play, the quality, uh, you know, all pro last season and his impact on the Giants um, and a a reasonably important position at D-tackle as well, which we'll be talking about later today. So if Dexter Lawrence doesn't end up being a long-term answer, could one of these people uh, one of these players be a long-term solution. Wait to find out. <laughs> Shameless plug right there. Um, but yeah, certainly interesting. But I do think he'll land somewhere in the four to five year, 100 to 125 uh, million dollar mark, 23 to 25 million a year. And besides those two pieces of news, it's kind of a uh, a slow type of episode today when it comes to the Giants, like recent news. Uh, the last one we have here is that New York Post writer Ryan Dunleavy, whether you know, how credited a source he is or not. I mean, he works for the New York Post. It's a pretty credited uh, news source. He said, don't be surprised if the Giants trade another of their picks for a veteran player between now and the end of the draft, but that can be said for any team in the NFL. What I would say is Dunleavy was ahead of the news for the Waller trade. He said, I'd expect a big trade soon, Uh, and there was a big trade very shortly after he said that, so he probably has a source on this, would be my guess. Uh, that the Giants are interested in a particular player. Who knows who it may be? Uh, just thought it would be interesting considering he did get the last big Giants trade right. So I thought I'd throw that in there. All right, let's talk about the top five defensive linemen in this year's 2023 NFL draft class, uh, where we move five to one. I'm sorry because I know so many people were so excited with our mock drafts because we do that in order with pick 25 and on. But this is where Alex really shines because he doesn't like to give it away so quickly. He likes to move and, sh- you know, shift your mind and get you upset by, let's go, move it down the line. No, I have to talk about each one individually. Sorry. Um, and that's what we're going to do here. That's Alex, not me, by the way. I would do one to five personally. But, you know, got to follow the man's rules, I guess, right? <laughs> you know, I think you're being a little bit unfair here. All right? it's, it's the best for everyone. 
because then you get to learn about everyone, and that's really the main goal. So learn about everyone in a different order, but this is fine. <laughs> I'm completely okay with it. Let's start with our. Are you good? Right. Let's. Can... Yeah, I'm all good. I'm ready to go. This is my preferred order. Start with our list at number five: Keanu Benton, the six foot four, three hundred nine pound Wisconsin senior. All right, so Benton's an interesting one. I feel like I say that for every player. Uh, there's a a big gap um, between. I, I mean, I'll give a little bit of a sneak peek here between number one, obviously, then there's a big gap between a uh, number one and then players two to four. And then from four to five, there's another big gap. Uh, so this is the, I guess, big gap. It's tough. To, I had a few players in the running here uh, for the fifth spot. I'll talk about a couple of them. Actually, just mention them briefly at the end um, of this, you know, uh, or, or of this list, I guess, just to throw their names out there. But Benton. He's got great hand use. He's got great leverage. He was actually a former wrestler, so you can kind of see that in his game, funny enough. He was a four-year starter at Wisconsin, which is always a very good thing. Uh, lots of experience there. He's got high motor. He's got a great swim move. Uh, he's got great length as well. He had a great 2022, six sacks. Um, his only con is he's just not the best athlete. He lacks some explosiveness, um, but despite that lack of explosiveness, he's really effective in both the run game uh, and in pass rush, doesn't have the most moves, um, but, you know, he does have that swim move, and overall he can use his power um, and and leverage to beat the interior uh, offensive lineman. And so he's a he's a really solid player. You mentioned 6'4", 309, just about uh, above average, uh, you know, height and weight for that position, uh, which we have in the size, you know, ranking or grade uh, that Josh is going to go to into, uh, in a, you know, in two seconds, basically, because I'm going to, um, you know, move it on to him now. <laughs> We're doing wonderful here. Before I do his um, his grades, <laughs> this past season, stats-wise, he had 36 total tackles, so, uh, 20 of them solo tackles, and four and a half sacks, which, you know, obviously, as you would assume, was his career high in sacks. Uh, the second most of that was two and a half the year prior in the 2021 season. And now for his grades, obviously, projected second-round pick, and that is where his grade stands as well. After we gave him a five and a th or I should say Alex gave him with his meth formula. Uh, breaking bad reference, by the way. I need to make that clear before I just start throwing out uh, drugs like that. Um, athleticism five, technique six, run defense seven and a half, pass rush seven and a half, size seven and a half, which totals out to a six and a half. And again, uh, the grade equals the pick, the pick being a second rounder. Uh, and that is our number five guy. On to number four, a six foot five, two hundred ninety eight pound Clemson sophomore Brian Breeze, or Breezy, sorry, Breezy. Yeah. So with with Breezy's interesting because a lot of people have him as their number two guy in this interior class, and I have him here at number four. So I'm not a big uh, Breezy fan at all, to be honest. Uh, you know, he's got pretty great. Uh, size, you know, length and height wise, but he's a little bit underweight at 298, like you mentioned. He still does have great power uh, with that weight. He's got good agility as well. He has the ability to play on the inside or outside, um, which is definitely helpful. Could potentially even be an edge rusher at the NFL level, uh, a 3-4 defensive end. Don't really know where he projects exactly. That's going to be something that's up to the coaches, obviously, that he gets drafted for. Um, you know, he's definitely a more solid pass rusher than he is run defender. Um, injuries are a concern with him. He did have an ACL tear. Change of direction, despite his agility, he's actually not 
great with change of direction, if that makes any sense. He's quick on his feet, but he doesn't change direction very well, even though that sounds completely contradictory. I know, um, but you just have to watch his film to understand. Um, and then he's, like I mentioned before, a little bit underweight as well. But I just don't see the hype with Brian Breesey. And that's why, you know, I just have him here at number four. And Josh will go through his grades in a second after he talks about his stats. Yeah. So this past season, I mean, it's it's not, I don't think it's, um, and again, it's stats, right? He's an interior defensive lineman. So stats don't mean everything. However, when you look at him compared to other guys on this list, the stats don't line up. It's not the same. Uh, this past season in 2022, we had 15 tackles, nine of them solo, and three and a half sacks. So, yes, more sacks than the player we talked about previously. Uh, however, the tackles number is significantly lower um, than Benton. We'll have to see with uh, Breesey. But anyway, yes, let me go to his grade here. He is a projected first-round pick. Athleticism an eight. Technique a six and a half. Run defense a six. Pass rush is a seven. Size is seven and a half, all evening out or averaging out, not evening out, averaging out to a score of 7.0. And that is a projected late first round pick. Um, but that's what the grade says, and that's what his projected pick is as well. So, without further ado, we go from four to three. Uh, Mazzy Smith, the six foot three, 323 pound Michigan senior. And if you remember, there was another guy on the defensive line last year, right? Uh, that was a prominent figure. He now is a Detroit Lion, and he's very good. So Michigan putting out two uh, guys in the defensive line, two very good players um, in the past two drafts, just something to note. Yeah, Mozzie Smith's certainly an interesting player, a big combine performance, a huge riser in the combine. Um, he put up a crazy amount on the bench. I'll check that in a minute after you know Josh talked through his grades and stuff after uh, I finish here, but he did some crazy stuff on the bench. Uh, he's got great power. Uh, when it, at first, when I was looking at his film, the first thing that popped up was like Mozzie Smith, like crazy weight room, uh, like routine, and he was lifting like 500 pounds and all this crazy stuff that he was doing. And I was like, wow, that guy is strong, and you definitely see it in his film. Uh, for a big guy too, he's really quick initially off the line of scrimmage. He's got powerful hands, and he's just a mauler in the run game. A guy who you just are trying to avoid at all costs if you are a running back. Um, the cons with him is he just seems to kind of not always be with it, not always be aware of everything that's going on, and that, I guess, has a little bit to do with some of his instincts. So that is a concern for him. And then also there is a possible character issue, uh, like someone else we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh, he had a weapons charge uh, a year or so ago, and that uh, is certainly a concern, you know, if that is kind of a lingering issue for him. So that's going to be something to watch out for with his stock. Um, but I'm definitely higher on Mozzie Smith than most. All right, Alex, I got it for you. So uh, Smith put up 35, 34, 34 bench reps of 225 pounds, which is the highest uh, from any of the defensive linemen in this year's draft in this uh, NFL scouting combine earlier. Would it be earlier this month? Last month it was. Um, so that is the the bench press stuff there. If you want to look up more of his weightlifting routine, I'm sure there's a bunch of YouTube videos there. Or you can just ask Alex, obviously. He's seen it all. So we now move. I was watching and learning. He was taking it into his... You go into the gym tomorrow and benching that... I'm going to be... 225? No, I'm actually going to do his 500. Like, he was lifting some weird, like, 500 pound. I'm going to do that and then, you know, jump on top of, like, a... 10-foot block and then, you know, do all that. I mean, I do that anyway. It's just I'll do a couple more reps. <laughs> yeah. 
got to reach those NFL uh, draft prospects. So this past season, he had 49 tackles, which is the highest so far we've seen out of anyone on this list. 23 of them solo tackles. Only one sack, though. However, he also had a forced fumble, too. Do guys get credited for sacks and fast and and forced fumbles in the same thing? I believe so. So I, yeah. then, yeah, it was probably the same play that he had a sack. Well, it could have been a tackle for loss, for example. With a forced fumble. Um, but anyway, yeah. one sack, one forced fumble, and the most amount of tackles we've seen uh, from a draft prospect or from one of the D-line and draft prospects we've gone over so far. Okay, projected second-round pick. What is his grade going to be in comparison to the uh, other numbers that we have in this formula? Check it out right now. Athleticism an 8, technique a 6, run defense an 8, pass rush a 5.5, and, and size a 7.5, coming to a 7.1 out of 10. And that's a late first round grade. So this is the first time that the projection of the pick uh, for a player here in this rankings um, video or podcast is different than the actual grade that Alex has in here in the formula. So late first round is what Alex projects, and then um, second round is his actual prediction by, you know, various sources. Number two here, Kalija Kansi, 6'1", 281 pounds, Pittsburgh Jr. Yeah, I mean, Kansi's a really, really tough one to grade, uh, and we'll see that when Josh talks about his grade because you're going to be shocked to see what the final number is compared to the initial numbers that he goes through. But he's got great lower body strength. Uh, he's got an elite athletic traits. He's really quick um, and agile as well. He's instinctive against the run. He's got strong hands. He's got a good variety of pass rushing moves. But the big con with him is he is so undersized. It's ridiculous. He's 6'1", 281, which is about the size of maybe your average short tight end or something like that, uh, to be an interior defensive tackle uh, and have that kind of size. Obviously, he could bulk up a little bit weight-wise, but even if he bulked up 10, 20 pounds, he'd still be a little bit underweight. Uh, so that's certainly an issue for him. Uh, he is in, I believe, what, the 10th percentile in terms of uh, size for defensive or for interior defensive linemen. So that is a big concern. And as much as his tape is great, against you know opposition in college when he gets to the NFL and he's playing against these big offensive linemen is he going to be able to hold up is his strength uh, really going to show as much as it did in college against you know more subpar athletes on the offensive line it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see uh, in terms of his talent and his technique and his abilities on the things that he can control he is certainly uh, a very, very good talent. It's just the size. Unfortunately, it's something that he can't control, just who he is, um, how he was born. But uh, really unfortunate, I think, in terms of his ceiling, uh, which I don't think is as high as it could possibly have been if he was a few inches taller and a few pounds heavier. Well, Alex, let's look on the bright side here. Maybe because of that size, since he's a little more leaner, uh, it was kind of easier to navigate through offensive line and rather for their heavier guys who have to kind of stick through and push off. He can maybe use some moves to get into the uh, quarterback position. In the True. Pocket, I Probably say. why he's so athletic. Yeah. And why he has the most sacks out of any defensive line prospect that we've looked at so far with seven. Uh, 31 tackles as well, 18 of them solo this past season. He doubled uh, his amount of sacks. Not doubled, but he... Uh, Two consecutive years of seven sacks is what I should say. Seven in 2021 and seven this past season. 
Um, so definitely something to look out for when it comes to Kansi there. Uh, and then let's go to the projection and the grade projections of mid first round pick. Kalijah Kansi's grades here. Athleticism an eight, technique an eight, run defense seven, pass rush a nine. And am I reading this right, Alex? A one and a half for size. A one and a half. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that that's really the problem here. I was actually gonna compute it for you, uh, how much he would be if he just had average size. Uh, you know, it's here, I'll do it in a second. Well, so while you're doing that, no, while you're doing that, let me just complete it. And uh, with all of yeah, those yeah. factors, it's a 7.2 out of 10. And then that's a late first round pick grade. So again, projection, mid first round. Uh, Alex's formula, late first round. And that is number two on the list. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. If it wasn't for his size, if he had, you know, let's say an 80th percentile size even, uh, he would have been an 8.0 out of 10, which would have made him an early first round grade for me so that's certainly uh you know an interesting thing there uh I guess unfortunate for him uh, and I'm interested to see how NFL scouts look at that do they really are they factoring in his size as big of an issue as I'm factoring it in that's gonna be something that's interesting uh, I saw on PFF's big board they have him at 13 I believe so uh, I guess more of a mid first round pick uh PFN I think had him closer to where I have him uh in the late first round region but interesting player and i'm really excited to see uh where he ends up had a great combine as well and that leads us to the final guy on this list the number one and it's not even debatable the number one prospect here uh out of the defensive lineman six foot three 314 pounds junior out of georgia jalen carter uh now before i send it to you, alex real quick i mean we could, we're, we're both gonna probably talk about it uh, jalen carter has been under fire um, under a lot of, I guess, skepticism, you could say, for an incident that happened after the national championship when he was uh, in Georgia. Um, basically, I don't know if it was drag racing is a specific word, but basically racing down a road uh, that ended up in the unfortunate death of some people from the, the University of Georgia. And it also led to his arrest, and he lied to the cops. I mean, plain and simple. That's not even debatable anymore because I don't know if you saw Alex, but the police body cam footage is out to watch to the public. It's on YouTube. Um, he, he said to the cops, the cops asked him, hey, were you racing? He, and he said no. Like, straight up said no. So th th there's no. Let's fact. be honest here, though. If you were if you were racing and the cops pulled you over, would they would you say you were racing? I, I get it. I understand. Uh, but he he I mean. There's a difference though too because if you're racing, I mean that's not that's not the point where that's not the point we're trying to say, right? I was just, I keep hearing that as well, and I kind of keep thinking that, you know. So I just wanted to say it. So anyway, <laughs> if it led to the death of people and they would want to know why, like yeah. he basically what he just said was, oh, they were driving fast and they went into the and they crashed. Like that's what he that was his story. So I, I again, I'm not like really that informed of the whole situation. Yeah, well, I to be honest, I've been actually I find it uh, like, I mean, interesting. I mean, it's news, so I've been definitely following it a, a little bit more rigorously. And and that was what happened. I mean, if you watch the body cam footage, he said, "Oh, they, I was behind them. They were driving really fast, and they crashed because they were driving so fast." Um, and that's not what happened. So anyway, I just found that disturbing. And now, if you probably look up Jalen Carter's name on Google you'll find this is why the Lions shouldn't look at Jalen Carter. This is why the Falcons shouldn't be trying to host a visit with Jalen Carter. This is why the Giants should avoid Jalen Carter, right? All of these articles, because all these people are saying, well, we already know his past. 
why do we want to bring an atmosphere like that into our locker room? And that has completely flip-flopped his draft stock by the media. Will he get picked in probably the top 10 still? Yes. Top five? Probably. Number one? We'll see. So probably not. Probably not. Was projected number one. Stop probably will still be Panthers traded up too, so definitely for a quarterback. So I mean Alex, am I wrong? Top five still for Jalen Carter? I think I think top five, top ten at most, but he's an interesting story. He's gonna be the story of the draft, I think for sure. Yeah. Where is he gonna go? Is he gonna slip? How far is he gonna slip? And what I would say here is when we look when I you know, when we were looking at Jalen Carter here, we don't have the chance to sit down with him and talk to him and see what he has to say for himself. Or we don't have the chance to you know, really understand exactly what happened, um, you know, on that night. Like, we we didn't have a chance to talk to with the police, you know, or any of that kind of stuff. So we don't, we can't look at it from that angle. We can only look at it from what we see on the field, the tangible well, I mean, uh, things it, that we can analyze. It's not debatable that he's the number one guy on this list. I mean, it's it's true in the way that he shows it on the field. However, it's something that you definitely need to address if you're talking about the pros and cons of a draft prospect. I mean... It's a big one. That's a big con staring in your face. I mean, that's like sure. C-O-N right now and is in front of my face and blinking red lights. And it's exactly what it is. It's it's like disciplinary sort of concerns. Now, anyway, you know, let's talk about the positivities of this game and we can, re- you know, reconnect back to this later. But, you know, we do have to talk about the positives because they are there on the field. Yeah. I mean, he's just so quick and agile. He's a freak athlete. He's got a great change of direction. Um, he's got really powerful hands. You just see that in every single snap. He's versatile along the line. You see him play, you know, more nose. You see him play a little bit of three tat. You see him all over the place on the defensive line for Georgia. Uh, and for most of his career at Georgia, obviously he was, uh, are surrounded by great players like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, other monsters on the defensive line. And he still shines. So that really shows you how good he is. Um, he's great in pass rush. He's great in run defense. There's just no weakness, really, to his game. I guess the only cons that he does have is, you know, he doesn't really always keep consistent pad level, and he can be kind of taken out of the game with a double team, but he is double teamed constantly in the film you see. I was watching a game against Oregon uh, that he had in 2022, I believe it was. He was double teamed, I'd have to say, like 95% of the snaps. It was crazy. Triple teams a few times as well. Uh, people know how good Jalen Carter is and what a threat he can be. And uh, obviously the final con is what we talked about before we even started talking about him, which is the character discipline, you know, issues off the field issues here with Jalen Carter, which unfortunately my grading system doesn't account for. (laughs) So that is, you know, something that we don't really know and we're not going to know till draft night and we might not even know till after draft night uh, or long or we might never know, to be honest what impact that's going to have uh, on his draft stock. Looking over his stats, he had 32 tackles this past season, 16 of them solo tackles, three sacks, and two forced fumbles. Alex, you talk about those powerful hands. That probably helps set the way for those specific forced fumbles. Projected early first-round pick, we already talked about that. Does his grade line up with that? Athleticism in half, technique seven, run defense eight and a half, pass rush nine, and size seven totaling out for an 8.1, and if you've been following this podcast for the last couple of years, you'll know um, that an 8 or above equals an early first-round pick from Alex. So that is exactly what he's projected to be um, at yeah. at that score. 
top player on my board currently. Um, I've yet to actually look at the quarterbacks in depth. So Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, don't really know about them yet. But in terms no of reason players to, that we've looked at, honestly, yeah, no reason to. Uh, that's why I've not rushed to do that. But in terms of corners, all the player, all the positions we've looked at so far, Jalen Carter uh, is the top dog on my board, and uh, yeah, certainly a very, very good player. Very interested to see what happens to him, um, you know, on day one of the draft and where he ends up and which team ends up selecting him and how far he potentially drops. So let's just run through one more time before we wrap this one up. Keanu Benton, uh, Keanu Benton at number five. Number four is Brian Breesey. Number three is Mazzy Smith. Number two is Kalijah Kansi. And then number one is uh, the guy we just talked about in full depth, Jalen Carter. One more thing I wanted to mention before we wrap this up. Sorry about that. I just wanted to mention a couple other guys real quick uh, that I looked at that I was kind of debating putting on here uh, along with Benton at number five, kind of right behind, just so people have an idea of some other guys that were a uh, similar area. Uh, Siaki Ika out of Baylor. Uh, he was a guy who was very close. I think he was kind of my sixth guy I had. Um, he's a He's more of your traditional nose tackle. He's got you know, high molar, he's a really good run defender, doesn't really have much in the pass rushing game. Uh, he didn't have any sacks, I believe, in 2022. He had an awful combine, which is really why he dropped a lot. Uh, many people had him in the top five uh, before the combine, but his combine definitely hurt him. He had, like, terrible, terrible combine. Uh, and then another guy I wanted to mention, too, uh, Kobe Turner. We had him in our mock draft 1.0, seven-round mock draft. Go check that out if you're interested um in i believe it was the fourth round uh, if i'm correct i'm you know if you have to go watch the video for the correct he out of uh illinois he was out of wake forest 6'2 88 he's a senior he's a really good tackler he's got a great pass rush motor uh he forced a lot of fumbles for wake forest i remember that when we talked about him a little bit undersized as well kind of like Cansey we talked about um and he definitely struggled with double teams when he was double teamed at Wake Forest, but those were kind of my six and seven guys. Just wanted to give them a little honorable mention, you know, have some more players for uh, people to think about, especially for the Giants who are more likely to take one of these types of players in the third, fourth, fifth round even, and these are the players who may be available at that spot. All right, so we did that. We got the defensive lineman talked about. We got Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence talked about here, and now we wait. We wait a couple more days. And Alex, I think we bring to you our 7.0 mock draft for the final time. It's very sad. All right, it's going to be our 3.0. It's going to be our final one. Three is a magic number, so we're going to cap it at that unless we have some magical miracle that we that we discover and we want. Unless we get really, really excited to find a lot of time. And we, get, we do a 4.0. But um, either look for that later this week or early next week. Um. We'll have to wait and see, but that's going to be coming next. The New York Giants seven-round mock draft 3.0, the final one for the 2023 NFL Draft. For right now, uh, to help keep up with our content, you can hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen. Go to shipstudios.com slash giant take to find a lot of places to listen. Our social media platforms are this, Twitter and TikTok, the Giant Take Pod, Instagram and Facebook, the Giant Take Podcast. Alex, he's on Twitter at anorian 23 I'm on Twitter at joshsholo 29 uh, rate us five stars. We really appreciate it. Again, we appreciate you for your listening contributions in the month of March. And we hope to continue with that progression in this month of April. So thank you so much again. And um, 
Oh, uh, everything I just said is also in the podcast notes if you wanted to check it out there. Alex, wrap this one up. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. A few, only a couple episodes left before the NFL draft. But then we have our reaction pods, and those are fun anyway. So Those are very fun. Uh, and then we'll have our big uh, final draft preview, which I'm sure I'll talk for 10 hours through. So get ready for that. And uh, I'm honestly more excited because if you haven't already, like when I talk about it at the end of every episode, follow those social medias, the, the Twitter and the Instagram and the TikTok especially. Uh, we do live reactions to at least the first round and the second round picks. Um, yeah. And they're very fun. They're very exciting. Um, you know, Alex and I still talk about his reactions to uh, Rondell Robinson's pick in the second oh, round <laughs> to this day. Um, with him repeatedly saying, who, who, who? Um, and so, I mean, there's something to definitely watch. And th- they might even get instilled into the podcast next year if they're good reactions. So um, it, it just it just shows that, you know, these these draft videos are super, super fun. And especially the initial reactions. So stay tuned to our social medias because um, they get etched in our brains, I guess, honestly, forever. I, I also remember, Alex, um, I think it was maybe when we drafted Evan Neal. Um, we you I blame you. We whiffed on a high five for probably like 10 five straight ago. attempts. Yes. Yeah. So see, see, he remembers it. So this is why I'm saying. And I don't remember any fossil. This is why follow those social media platforms because, I mean, look at this. We we make memories forever just, with just do it. initial do it. reaction videos. That's okay. I'm gonna stop talking about it now. Yeah, and you could see people critique our mock drafts and make me very angry. So anyway, thank you very much for listening to today's episode, uh, and we'll see you next time with more draft content. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.